Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. I'm your host, John Corker. Coming up on today's show, Radio Rounds director Lakshman Swamy heads to Boston to hear the stories of two third-year medical students who went from the back of the line on rounds to front and center as part of the teams caring for victims of the Boston Marathon bombings. Their stunningly humanistic accounts remind us all that when bad things happen, there are always good people there to help, and that's exactly why many of us went into medicine in the first place. This is what ABCs were invented for. I mean, th- this is these patients were ones who did not have an airway, who were not breathing, who were completely like not hemodynamically stable. And one of the patients I scrubbed in on essentially lost her entire blood supply. She completely exsanguinated. We replaced her entire blood supply. And I mean, I I didn't know I didn't know someone could get. 12 units of blood, but apparently there are people who can get it, and this was an example of it. More insight into the controlled healthcare chaos that followed the Boston Marathon bombings, right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm John Corker. Last week, Radio Rounds director Lakshman Swamy sat down with Dr. Vinny Arora of the University of Chicago's Pritzker School of Medicine. Dr. Arora has been at the forefront in both researching and implementing resident work hour restrictions over the past year, and she and Swamy discussed her controversial recent article in the Journal of the American Medical Association entitled Professionalism in the Era of Duty Hours. Time for a shift change? Lakshman Swamy is back again this week as he sits down with two Boston-area third-year medical students who were integral parts of the heroic healthcare teams who treated the victims of the Boston Marathon bombings. Swamy first sat down with Sean Gandhi, a third-year medical student at Harvard Medical School, who describes how quickly things changed on a, quote, beautiful day for a marathon during his trauma surgery rotation at the Massachusetts General Hospital. So, you know, even walking in today, the hospital seems what I would imagine to be very normal. Just it looks like people going about their day. But I know uh, I saw on Twitter some some pictures that uh, Atul Gawande had posted where I think the Na- Massachusetts um, National Guard were in here in full body armor, machine guns and everything. So it was it was quite different a little while ago. Can, can you tell us just a little bit about First, what was it like before any of this happened? I understand you were in your surgery rotation. I was on the. I was starting on the first day of my second week of my trauma surgery rotation on my surgery clerkship here at here at Mass General, and you know it, it was Marathon Monday. It's a state holiday in Massachusetts, so we were kind of expecting a slower day. Uh, it was already it was already a quiet day to begin with. The sun was shining. It was a blue sky. Everyone thought it would be a great day to run a marathon, and then we were all paged that a horrific event had occurred at Copley Square and that we all needed to come down to the emergency room um, as soon as possible. And unfortunately, as luck would have it, my particular trauma surgery team was the one admitting that day, which meant we were the ones who really had to come down um, to the emergency department first. So so what you mean is that the, the trauma team that was, that was responding to whatever came in the door that day, uh, taking the new patients, was actually your team and you were the medical student on that team. Uh, yes, I, I was the medical student on that team. Uh, we had a, a senior senior surgical resident, an intern, and an attending an attending trauma surgeon. And of course, there are, there are obviously other 
lots of other surgeons in the hospital. There are other teams, but in terms of admissions, uh, we were kind of the the point team in terms of accepting them. So, so what was it like when you got down to the ER? I think the best way to describe it is when we went down. By that point, the hospital had paged a lot of other staff. And so I think this is really a testament to kind of the dedication of all the residents and attendings in the hospital because even residents I knew who were on vacation knew that something was happening. And so everyone was there. And so when we went down to the emergency department, every single trauma bay was empty. There were teams of residents and attendings standing next to each trauma bay, all with their equipment, all with gowns on, all ready to accept any any patients, any victims that may be coming to the hospital as a result of this tragedy. And, and I, I think there's this perception in, in the popular media that anytime there's some sort of trauma or emergency, that things are quite chaotic and there are a lot, there are a lot of miscommunications or a lot of people yelling at each other. And, and in fact, this was kind of the model of efficiency. It was very quiet, actually, in the emergency department because everyone was, was trying to find out what they needed to do and everyone was kind of standing in place ready to go in case their services were needed. So it sounds like from from your experience, things really came together. Medically, they really came together quite efficiently and well, and people were where they needed to be to take care of everyone. So so what was it like when, when you first got down there? And my understanding is that you had no idea about what would really be coming through the door. Can you comment on that? And then when you, when you actually saw people come through, what was that like? When I came down... The emergency, the emergency staff had already triaged a lot of the patients because the initial patients who came to the hospital were the most critical ones, and the staff had already triaged them to go to the operating rooms. And so when I went there, the bays were mostly full of of people who had who had injuries, but were probably not as major as some of the some of the injuries that I think a lot of people have heard about in the in the press. And so when I was there. Many of the trauma bays had patients, they had physicians taking care of them, nurses taking care of them. Uh, and when we saw that, uh, we then knew that probably what would be best for what would be best for me and probably would be best for our team is if we went to the operating rooms and actually started helping the patients who were actually quite critical who needed emergent trauma surgery to help them. So could you, could you just talk about you know, a little bit about the cases that you worked on and, and what kind of uh, injuries you saw? So I think uh, of all the victims, of all the victims who went to the hospitals, a Mass General got, I actually don't know the exact total number, but I know of the, of the, of the patients who were deemed critical, there were, there were eight of them um, who actually ended up coming to Mass General. I scrubbed in on three of those cases, and, and in all three of those cases, there were instances of, of people who either had ran the marathon or were cheering on someone who ran in the marathon who, because of extremely unfortunate circumstances, happened to be standing near where the bombs actually where the bombs actually blew. And and so their injuries, I mean, they were they were really horrific. Lower extremities where you could see bone very visibly, soft tissue muscle pretty much completely evulsed from the bone. And then of course like the profuse bleeding, which is associated with those type of injuries. And and so the trauma surgeons are really focused more on trying to achieve hemostasis, trying to ensure that we can at least stabilize these patients, get them to the SICU, and perhaps take them to the OR and another day just to kind of fix up anything else uh, remaining. Some of these injuries are, are not that different than what you might see uh, in, in, the, in the case of when you're in the OR, you see all kinds of things. But was it, was it different this time? It's extremely different. And 
as medical students, we have all these lectures given by given by different faculty, and they always instill in us like kind of the ABCs of, of trauma care, and they always they always instill in us the that we always have to keep on thinking about whether this patient is hemodynamically stable, whether this patient has an airway, and inevitably when we're in the ED on any normal day or when we're taking care of patients on the floor, yes, they have an airway, they are breathing, they are hemodynamically stable, and, and the problems that we're dealing with are probably a little bit stickier and have to deal with like titrating of drugs and, and figuring out what what kind of uh, like medium to long-term care these patients will get. But seeing the, the victims of this tragedy in the OR, I mean, this is this is what ABCs were invented for. I mean, th- this is these patients were ones who did not have an airway, who were not breathing, who were completely like not hemodynamically stable. And one of the patients I scrubbed in on essentially lost her entire blood supply. She completely exsanguinated. We we replaced her entire blood supply. And I mean, I I didn't know I didn't know someone could get. 12 units of blood, but apparently there are people who can get it, and this was an example of it. And, and and so we always think this will never happen. We always think that our patients are going to be stable until they aren't. And when they aren't stable, we just have to uh, – I mean, the surgeons, the residents, and, and, and us as well as medical students, we also have to remember that there's a reason why these trauma protocols were invented, and, and there, there's a reason why their algorithms invented to take care of patients who are – very, very unstable. Do you think that this experience uh, influenced your your kind of training as a physician at all? So this happened near the end of my third year. And I think as any medical student who's been through the third year can tell you, it's it's a very long process and it can sometimes be a very demoralizing process. Um, it's a lot of long hours, a lot of not knowing exactly what a role is and a lot of, it's a lot of like a frantic search to to learn as much as possible while at the same time trying to help our patients. I think I think this experience really put in perspective why why we all became physicians. I think it really put into perspective that that there are that society has has entrusted us with this like responsibility that if if patients if, if someone comes in who's very sick that this is why a physician is there to to go in there and, and heal that sick person and that this is the reason why uh this is the reason this is why we all wanted to practice medicine to actually take care of patients and and seeing how hard the the trauma attendings how hard the residents worked to save these save these patients lives and and i mean i'm I'm happy to report like we were able to save the lives of all the patients who came to our hospital i mean I know that there were patients who who unfortunately who died as a result, but all the patients who came to mass general were all alive. And it's, I think it's really a testament to this, this devotion to caring for, for patients and, and trying to heal them as fast as possible. I, it kind of made me remember why I wanted to become a doctor in the first place. That's so so well said, and I think so many of of the other medical students who were watching all of this unfold were basically thinking, I mean, I wish I was there to help. This is this is this really reinforces why I want to do what I'm doing. As someone who's lived in Boston for a few years now, I think one of the most impressive things that that we saw from the rest of the country, uh, I was in Ohio at the time, was how the city really came together and um, and and really the strength in the community in in the city here. How how do you feel like this kind of affected that? I mean, the the marathon is an institution uh, in Boston. It's it's a day of celebration. It's a holiday. Unfortunately, I, I 
I think for a lot of people, we can't really think of the marathon or any kind of large public event anymore in the same light because of, because of the tragedy that happened last Monday. At the same time, I think it's again a testament to how we can come together as a community and, and take care of take care of the people who were profoundly affected by this tragedy. Of course, including the, the the people who were affected by the tragedy on Monday, but even all the other people who were affected, including the MIT police officer uh, who was who was responding to a call, and all of the all the first responders and, and police and firefighters who tried to catch the suspect later in the week, and and just seeing how even in spite of all this crisis and all this uncertainty in terms of not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing if we're going to be safe, just seeing the community come together and try to find meaning in all of this, try to see how we can move forward so that those who are affected will be taken care of and that uh, we can try to understand why this happened and, and how we can try to prevent it in the future. You're listening to Radio Rounds. That was Radio Rounds director Lakshman Swami with Harvard Medical School third-year student Sean Gandhi. Swami also had an opportunity to sit down with Kristen Schwarz, a third-year medical student at the Boston University Medical School. Kristen is a Boston Marathon veteran herself, but decided at the last minute not to run this year in favor of her surgery rotation at the Boston University Medical Center. Kristen shares her unique insight into treating amputees for weeks after the bombings, while on the vascular surgery service at the hospital. We went down to the ER to see what we could do to help, and what we saw was a large volume of patients that were arriving with very serious injuries, a lot of people bleeding, and a lot of people in distress. I've spent a lot of time in the emergency department through different rotations and things, but I've never seen that many people with that many serious injuries. I also saw something that I was very impressed by was the number of attending physicians and uh, attending surgeons who were all there. It seemed within minutes of the attack, we had some of the, the best surgeons in the hospital all there ready to help assembling teams of attending surgeons and residents, uh, students to assist. Of course, there was a lot of adrenaline in the atmosphere and people were working very quickly. You know, the hectic environment, there was a system formulating of surgeons triaging people, assessing the wounds, and assessing what order to take people to the OR, and and just getting organized and, and trying to take care of people as efficiently and as well as possible. You know, a lot of times on the show in the past, we've talked about the, the chaos that's in healthcare and how, how fragmented and things like that it can be, but that's not, that doesn't sound like what you're describing. Uh, it sounds like what you're describing is actually people really coming together in a in a careful and you know calculated way to take care of people. But uh, what I want to ask you is, uh, what was it like not you know at that time not knowing what else would come? You know, I remember there was a lot of speculation about more bombs possibly going off and all this. So what was that like? It was very stressful and frightening for everybody in the city. There were so many false reports coming across the news and coming across all different information sources across social media. No one really knew how many attackers there were, where they had planted bombs, where they would intend to plant bombs, and no one knew what to expect. So the city was afraid, I think, in, in some ways of, of what could potentially happen next. And we were waiting with bated breath, but at the same time, acting quickly and doing as much as we could to help the people that we knew needed help as fast as we could. 
And I think that that's something that, that was that's really difficult about this from, from the physician's perspective and the student's perspective is that it's not like a, a lot of cases where you might have something horrific come through the door, but it's in front of you and you can you can take it on. In this case, you know, you've got surgeons, you know, running people up to the OR and, you know, the emergency doctor stabilizing people, but at the same time you're constantly thinking there could be more, you know, how much more could there be and how do we kind of allocate our, our resources to take care of what we don't know is coming. So I understand that not only were you in the ER taking care of the of the patients as they were coming in, but you had actually just started on your vascular surgery service. So could you tell me a little bit about just, you know, the kind of OR volume that, that the center was seeing that day uh, related to this and just what your experience was on the vascular side as well? On Marathon Monday, when patients started coming to the ER emergently, teams of uh, trauma surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, vascular surgeons, took patients to the OR emergently. The hospital did 16 operations in total within a period of eight hours, which is an extraordinary example of efficiency in the OR and just high-volume, life-saving procedures for these patients, and stabilized patients. Four patients were observed and then uh, discharged because they were stable for discharge. 19 patients were admitted overnight, and on the Tuesday after the marathon, the patients that sustained limb injuries were taken to the OR and formal amputation procedures were done. And that is a amputation procedures are an area of expertise for vascular surgeons and also orthopedic surgeons. So my vascular surgery team cared for many of the patients who did have limb amputations, took them to surgery, took care of them before surgery, and then also throughout their recovery in the hospital afterwards. As you know, as a healthcare provider in this case, what was it like for you taking care of people who had gone through something like this? I think it was an almost surreal experience for us all. I think we were all in a lot of shock that this had happened in our city and to, you know, people who were not expecting this to happen to them, to have experienced such a horrible attack. And for us as the medical team, you know, we were there to provide support for our patients and their families to help them cope as best we could with some circumstances that were unimaginable and very, very difficult. Our patients were probably the strongest people I've ever met in my life. They had incredible attitudes. They were, you know, very resilient people, very determined to get better and, and walk again. And it was a privilege to meet these people and to play even a small part in their recovery and to try and help them, you know, just move forward after such a life-altering experience. And, and you're a marathon runner yourself. I, I understand you didn't run the marathon this year, but you have in the past. Just as, you know, separate from being a medical student and all of that, what was it like being someone who has ran this marathon before and lived in the city to kind of see this happen? It was really difficult, and it felt very personal, like it felt for a lot of Bostonians. We all know Boylston Street really well. We all know the neighborhood. We've all been there, and it felt you know, just very, very personal and very saddening. For me, I have run the Boston Marathon five times, and it's very dear to me. I was actually, coincidentally, I was registered to run this year um, and decided not to at the last minute, ironically, because I've been so busy with my surgery rotation and long hours and on call and everything, but I decided to sit this year out and just be fully committed to to the surgery rotation in my third year at school. So when the attacks happened, I was very saddened and also concerned. You know, I had friends and friends of friends that were 
planning on going out and running the marathon that day. And we all knew that our friends were out there. And at the same time, uh, there was, you know, the issue that I I was registered with an official bib number. So my, my name was on the marathon's website as a runner. And so I had text messages and phone calls coming in from friends and cousins and aunts and uncles that thought that I was supposed to be running and weren't, they weren't seeing my finish time. So that was just another aspect that was difficult. And that, that's something that was, um, you know, very surreal and strange about the day too. But I was saddened. I, I, the Boston Athletic Association is a tremendous organization that's done a lot for Boston. They do a ton for charities. They put on this fa- fabulous event that has a worldwide draw every year. And um, it was just sad to see something, such a, a happy day, such a happy, pure event that's, you know, geared a lot towards families and a lot towards, you know, the positive aspects of life be so cruelly attacked like that. You know, having gone through something like this, obviously so tragic, but also, you know, so shocking right during your surgery rotation in your third year, do you think that it had any impact on your growth as a physician? I think it absolutely has had a huge impact on my growth as a physician and, you know, as a person overall. Uh, As a professional, I learned a lot about the power that comes in working as a, a team. You know, I saw physicians coming together, communicating very, very well and very efficiently to take great care of our patients. I saw an unbelievable level of commitment from the physicians, from the nurses, from all of the support staff, from everyone from the custodial staff that was keeping the ER flowing on the day of the marathon to the department directors providing a broad level leadership and representation for the hospital. And I just saw the whole hospital coming together in an extraordinary way that has taught me a lot of just about systems and about the value of being a part of an extraordinary organization like Boston Medical Center. And I've just learned a lot about the capacity that one hospital can have to do a large amount of good. And it's been an inspiration, to be honest, in you know just my level of commitment to the profession and to my commitment to trying in any way to, to help individuals when they're going through illness or injury or sadness or grief. Having been there with these patients after the marathon has taught me a lot about coping and resilience. And, and I think that in the future, I'll just, I hope, be able to be there for patients in difficult situations in the future and, and just continue to grow as a physician. You're listening to Radio Rounds. That was Radio Rounds director Lakshman Swami with Boston University Medical School third-year student Kristen Schwarz. Stay tuned for part two of our Boston Marathon series as we sit down with the physicians in charge of treating the lone surviving terrorist and the internal struggles that they must have encountered in doing so. That episode coming soon. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us for rounds next week for our special Mother's Day episode. I had the opportunity to speak with a very special medical mother, Dr. Catherine Chrétien, founder of the popular blog Mothers in Medicine. Dr. Chrétien talks about the unique challenge of balancing motherhood with a successful professional career and the tangible impact that her blog has had on professional mothers across the country. Join us for this special feature as we salute all of the amazing mothers in medicine. Remember that you can also download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit us at www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at radiorounds.org. 
Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at MedPlusAdvantage.com. AMA Insurance is pleased to introduce an individual disability insurance plan called Essentials for MedPlus Advantage participants. Through this plan, eligible graduating medical students have a special one-time opportunity to apply for high-quality individual disability insurance with no intrusive or time-consuming medical exams and only a few basic questions, and with discounted premiums. Apply now as the enrollment period ends soon. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school or residency programs. Ask questions in our online forums and get answers quickly. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds or of the Wright State University Boonshoff School of Medicine. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone, and have a fantastic week. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm John Corker, and one day, I'll be your doctor. <laughs>